Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So this episode is about the importance of the growth mindset. See, a growth mindset is necessary if you want to level up or grow as a person. Now, this may seem obvious, but as I have learned, not only through personal experience, but also through observation, is that most people's default mindset is one of scarcity or lack as opposed to growth or abundance. And as you can imagine, if your default setting is that of scarcity or lack or even healing, as you will soon learn, then you are not only holding yourself back, but you are also holding back everyone around you. But before we start, as always, I encourage you to reach out with any questions you may have about my journey or anything I have discussed. And if you would like to support the show and to support me on this year-long journey, one of the easiest ways to do it is to get you some podcast gear. Look, the podcast gear is really cool. I always get compliments on the hoodies and t-shirts and the design. So um, the link for that is in the show notes. I also have fermented herbal tonics and pine pollen tinctures available. Please email me for more details. And the pine pollen tinctures are, they have been flying off the shelf and for good reason. And this is because testosterone in both men and women is at an all-time low thanks to pesticides, microplastics, tap water, a sedentary lifestyle, and even wacky modern ideology. And the result is that most people are overweight, unfocused, depressed, have minimal muscle mass, and almost zero sex drive. Not to mention, the low testosterone is a major factor in why the masculine and feminine energies in our society are so out of whack and lacking harmony. So if you want to save yourself, save your relationship, and possibly even save the world, get you some pine pollen. And see, my pine pollen is made with the best ingredients possible. Raw, uncracked pine pollen harvested in the pristine Canadian wilderness and organic cane alcohol. It doesn't get any cleaner than that. Again, if you are interested in purchasing these, send me a message. Also, I wrote a book, wrote it eight years ago. It's called The Self-Sabotage Guide, Nine Behaviors Preventing You from Becoming Stronger, Faster, and Sexier. It's an ebook, about 20 pages long. It's less than $5. If you're interested, the link for that is in the show notes. And last but very not least, if you enjoy this podcast, right, and you don't want to get any gear or any testosterone replacement, the best thing you can do, the easiest thing you can do is just like this podcast, share it, subscribe it, and leave a review. It'll take you two minutes to leave a review. And especially if you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, it's a simple gesture that really helps me out. Okay, so let's get into the episode. So on episode 35 of this podcast, I did an episode called, Is Healing a Bad Word? And in that episode, I talk about how when it comes to most spiritual modalities, such as meditation, energy work, and even plant medicines, the focus is almost solely on healing and rarely ever on growing. Now, this is a flawed approach because most people who seek out spiritual modalities do so with the intention of improving their lives. 
However, instead of actually reaching new levels of growth and personal development, they instead end up falling into the never-ending cycle of healing, where on the surface they appear to be doing quote-unquote the work, but over the course of several months or even years, they never seem to make any noticeable or significant life improvements. This is because the focus and intention for these people is on the wrong thing. The focus should be on growth and improvement instead of just healing. Now, don't get me wrong, right? This is a sensitive subject for a lot of people, so don't get me wrong. Healing is and will always be a part of everyone's personal journey. However, it is worth noting that healing is connected to growth, but growth isn't necessarily connected to healing. In other words, in order to grow, in order to improve your life, you must first heal. But in order to heal, you don't necessarily need to grow. Let me give you an example. Let's say you break your arm. Well, healing your arm or the healing process is doing the things necessary to ensure that your bone grows back together properly. Once the bone is solid, the healing process is over. But here's the thing. Even though your arm is now healed, it never got any stronger in the process. It just went back to normal. Actually, in reality, once the healing process is complete, your arm is most likely weaker than it was before it was broken. This is because... While this is because you were not able to use your arm while the bone was repairing itself. And this inability to use your arm caused your muscles to atrophy. And that's the stark reality about healing. Once the process is done, you are left in a weakened or less than optimal state. Whereas growth would encompass not only healing your bone, but also doing physical therapy and then continuing to strengthen that arm long after the bone has been healed. The goal of growth would be to would be to make your arm as strong and as healthy as possible long after the healing process has been completed. Now, <clears throat> this example of a broken arm is obviously physical trauma, and most people search out spiritual modalities for mental, emotional, or even spiritual trauma. Well, by now, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning or or for a decent amount of time, most of you should now be familiar with the second hermetic principle, which states, as above, so below, as below, so above. This means that the same principles apply to all levels or planes of existence. So the healing process is the same as the, so the physical healing process is the same as the mental, emotional, or spiritual healing process. This is to say that this is to say that just healing your traumas while neglecting growth severely limits you from unlocking new levels. It limits you from reaching your potential. But for some reason most people don't understand this, which boggles my mind. Or maybe they understand this but they just don't care because believe it or not, growth is much harder to accomplish than healing. This is because growth is a never-ending process. It's putting in the work. It's making sacrifices. It's taking risks. It's doing the dishes, as they say. See, the other day I saw this meme that said, everyone wants to do ayahuasca, but no one wants to do the dishes. This means everyone wants to do all the easy or sexy stuff like going to ceremonies, 
going to workshops, gatherings, or seminars, but very few actually want to do the hard work necessary to make significant change. Believe it or not, when it comes to ayahuasca, or any spiritual healing modality for that matter, the ceremony or workshop, well, that's the easy part. The real change begins once you are, the real change and the real challenge begins once you are back in the real world. In other words, the leveling up process always happens in the integration phase long after the ceremony or seminar is over. So in order to grow, you actually have to do the work necessary to make progress. Whereas the healing process is indefinite, meaning that as long as you are healing, you are allowed to you are allowed to wallow in your misery. This is because the healing process is a judgment-free zone. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a built-in excuse as to why you are not making progress, right? I mean, think back to the broken arm analogy. As long as, you're, as long as your broken arm is healing, no one expects you to use your arm. They want and even expect you to rest up and take it easy so that the arm can heal. And this is how it should be. The healing process takes time, and you should be given the space to allow the process to unfold. But here's the thing. At some point, you need to move on from healing and start growing because that's where the magic is. At some point, you have to take the cast off and start doing arm exercises. Now, it probably seems like I'm beating a dead horse or splitting hairs, But I can assure you I am not because the difference between the growth mindset and the healing mindset, while they seem very similar on the surface, are actually worlds apart. One has unlimited potential and the other is very limited and keeps you in a loop. Understanding this is the key to reaching your highest potential. Now, if you want to explore that topic a little more, I encourage you to listen to my old episode, uh, episode 35. And see, I brought all this up because one of my main goals for my plant medicine journey is to learn about, teach, and encourage growth as opposed to just focusing on healing. I feel like this is my calling. In other words, I want to be thought of as a leader and a teacher as opposed to a healer. I personally don't like the word healer, and I have no ambition to heal anyone. In fact, I'm not even sure it's possible to heal someone. Because the reality is the only person who can heal you is you. Now, obviously, people can help you heal, but nobody can do it for you. That's why I want to lead people. I want to help, teach, and show people the best methods, procedures, and mindsets necessary for leveling up and unlocking their potential. Because this is the only way to truly help people become better. It's the only way people can receive true healing But in order to become a leader, I must level up myself. I must learn about and discover the best methods for growth. And that has been a major focus of mine for the last 15 years or so. And it's one of the main focuses of my year-long diet. And just recently, I was taught another big lesson in growth. And this lesson had to do with the scarcity mindset. See, another one of my main goals for my year-long Sama, aside from building a strong connection with Ayauma, is to learn how to sing Bewas, which are Shipibo-style medicine songs. I think I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. When most people think of medicine songs, they are usually thinking about Ikaros and not Bewa. 
Now, they are similar, but there's a huge difference between the two. Now, I want to give you a very broad general generalization, just meant to give you an overview so you can understand the difference between the two. I'm not saying that this is gospel. So the difference being, Ikaros follow a more traditional song style structure. They are songs that are passed down from teacher to student or written by the practitioner. Each Ikaro has a different purpose, and they are like tools, and the determining factor for which Ikaro is sung and when depends on the situation or energy in the room. Whereas Bewas have no formal structure and are more of a freestyle way of singing meant to address energies in real time. In general, Ikaros are much easier to learn because you are just memorizing and repeating tried and true songs. Bewas, on the other hand, are much harder to learn because you are just giving, given very general concepts and then you must learn how to create your own songs on the fly. And the truth is, you never really create you never really create a bewa that would be considered a finished product because the variables or energy of the situation is constantly changing. In other words, a bewa is a living song that adapts to its environment in real time. Which makes me think of one of my favorite quotes from Heraclitus. And that quote is No man ever steps into the same river twice, for it is not the same river. And he is not the same man. With that in mind, you could say that when it comes to singing bewas, no practitioner ever sing, sings the same bewa twice, for it is not the same energy, and he is not the same practitioner. This is because in the world we live in, the only thing constant is change. Energy can never be destroyed, it just transforms, and it transforms all the time. Now, both Ikaros and bewas are beautiful, and both are powerful and effective, but I prefer bewas because while harder to learn, they allow for your own creativity, personality, and medicine to shine forth. Everyone who sings bewas sounds different. Everyone structures their songs differently, and everyone addresses the energies in the room differently. Bewas are a true reflection of you and your relationship with the plants. So in order for me to develop my own bewas, I have to learn lots of Shipibo words, learn about concepts on how to address and deal with energies. Develop. I need to develop my own song structure, develop my own rhythm, cadence, and range, and most importantly, learn about my plants. Now, this is not easy, especially for someone like me who has absolutely zero musical background. Not only that, if you told me 10 years ago that I would not only learn to sing, but I would create my own songs, develop my own style, and then sing to a room full of people, I would have told you that you were crazy. Because 10 years ago, this, this not only seemed impossible, but it wasn't even on my radar screen. And this is all to say that learning Bewa is really hard, and it takes lots of practice and focus. So that has been one of my main things that I've been working on over the last several months of this Sama. So the other day... While practicing, I gained a lot of insight into the growth mindset. See, I was on my way to practice singing when one of my friends asked if he could join me. Now, keep in mind that he has just started to learn Shipibo and is in the beginning stages of developing his own Bewa style. Now, not to mention that I've never heard him sing, so I had no idea what his songs would sound like or even what level he was on. So when he asked me, I had a choice to make. 
Do I allow him to join me, which could possibly distract and take away from my session? Or do I tell him that I just want to practice by myself? Well, in this case, it actually wasn't much of a choice. This guy has become a great friend. And in fact, he was the first person to ever hear me sing a little over a year and a half ago. So I thought it would be cool to hear him sing for the first time. He was there at the beginning of my journey. And now I get to be there for the beginning of his. So we had a brief chat about how the practice session would go and then got down to business. I would sing, <clears throat> I would sing, then he would sing, and then we would give feedback, and this format worked really well. Now, at one point while he was singing, I got a really big smile on my face, not only because he was doing really well, in fact, he is way further along than I was at that point in my journey which was really impressive. I can tell that he's been studying really hard and it's definitely paying off. But I was, I was mainly smiling because I realized that this practice session was extremely good for my own personal growth. It was also good for his growth too because we were learning from each other and we truly wanted each other to do well and get better. This got me thinking because several years ago, I used to really suffer from what's called famine thinking or scarcity mindset. Now, truth be told, it wasn't all that bad, but it was definitely there, and it would definitely affect my actions and and attitudes. So if this was several years ago and he asked to practice with me, I would have either said no, or when I realized he was making great progress, I might have become jealous or even felt felt like his progress was taking away from all the work I had put in. And as a result, I would have been hesitant to openly share tips or any helpful or make any helpful suggestions. And that is basically the definition of famine thinking or scarcity mindset. It is when you believe that there, that there are a finite amount of resources and that if someone gains access to these resources, there will now be less for you. In other words, you believe that their gain is your loss. Now, in all honesty, in all honesty there is some truth to this. And in fact, All of us have been victims of famine thinking in one form or another because it is hardwired into our DNA. It's hardwired because, believe it or not, there are some biological advantages to this way of thinking. For example, our most primal urge, aside from procreation, is survival. And, well, actually, those two urges are kind of related because because on our most primal biological level, We need to survive just long enough to procreate and raise our young until they get old enough to procreate themselves. In fact, that survival mechanism is hardwired into just about every animal on the planet. It's how a species ensures its survival. So in order to survive, we need the basics of food, water, and shelter. And if these things are not readily available, this mindset starts to kick in hard and fast which then focuses, focuses us on acquiring these things by any means necessary because our life and the life of our loved ones is now in jeopardy. And this urge can become, this urge can come in so strong that it could even tempt you to steal from or sabotage your friend or neighbor because on a primal level, your survival is more important than their survival. And like I said, this is the most primal urge on the planet, and it has been hardwired into just about every living being on the planet since the beginning of time. So while the scarcity mindset is designed to keep you alive, as you can imagine, this mindset also has a lot of disadvantages. For example, 
Scarcity or famine thinking is a low vibrational state of mind and it can trigger lots of negative emotions such as jealousy, selfishness, deceit, anxiety, and stress. And to make things worse, in today's society, we often experience the scarcity mindset when it has no real bearing on our actual day-to-day survival. Because the reality is that today we live in a world of abundance. Now, obviously, there are limited resources, and we have to be mindful of that. But for the most part, we all have our basic needs met. And given the fact that most everyone you know has their basic needs met, the scarcity mindset in today's world does more harm than good. So much so, at this point, it could be considered an evolutionary mismatch. Now, the first ever podcast episode I did, episode one, titled Mismatch mismatched diseases between technology and humanity was on this exact topic. So what exactly is an evolutionary mismatch? Well, evolutionary evolutionary mismatch or mismatch theory or evolutionary trap is the evolutionary biology concept that a previously advantageous trait may become maladaptive due to change in the environment, especially when change is rapid. In other words, The scarcity mindset is programming that no longer applies to our modern lifestyle. Once you have your basic needs met, living, believing, and acting in abundance or growth will take you much further than scarcity because scarcity makes you view the other person as your competition or even your enemy instead of your ally. So during the practice session, I had this moment of insight and realized that I had not that had I not allowed him to practice with me or if I didn't help him or share tips during the session because of my scarcity mindset, I would have missed out on one of the most impactful training sessions I have ever had. The more, And this was because the more I helped him, the more he helped me and the more I and the more I learned, it was like we suddenly found ourselves in, selves in this infinite feedback loop of growth where the more we each gave, the more we each received. But unfortunately, many people don't want to help or share because they are consumed by the scarcity mindset. More often than, more often than not, this happens on a subconscious level. And as a result, people who suffer from this mindset typically withhold information, give less than stellar advice, discourage, or even belittle those trying to better themselves, especially those in the same field. However, withholding information... However, withholding information only hurts you in the long run because as as the saying goes, a rising tide lifts all ships, which means that the more... That the more you help people, the better they become. And the better they become, the better you become. And if you don't think this is possible, just take a second to imagine two different scenarios. Imagine your world if everyone around you practiced scarcity. A world of jealousy and selfishness where no one helped each other and everyone discouraged everyone else from growing and learning. A world where everyone looks down on your success. Now imagine a world where everyone practiced abundance, a world where people were happy to share information, to teach, a place where you were encouraged to learn and grow, and where people were actually happy for your success. Which world would you rather live in? Which world would be better for your overall growth and development? Well, the answer is obvious, right? 
abundance is the gift that keeps on giving. And if everyone around you was not only improving, but also encouraging you to do the same, you would quickly start to become better just by default. Not to mention a world where the abundance mindset is alive and well, well, that world would be more fun, more enjoyable, and a more productive place to live. And the truth is, we can live in a world of abundance. It is just it is just that we have been conditioned to think otherwise. This is part because of our old programming, but it is also the narrative that is being pushed. We have been conditioned to compete with each other instead of help each other. And look, I get it. I know this sounds like some hippie nonsense, but it is just our false belief that we think that for winners to exist, that must mean there has to be losers. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that this means everyone should be considered equal or everyone should get a trophy. I am saying that we need to redefine what it means to come up short. We need to redefine the definition or the idea of what it means to lose or to be a loser. See, there's a saying in jujitsu that you either win or you learn. Because the truth is, if you are trying and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and then you come up short, you didn't lose. You just learned that you were not as good as someone else or you were not as good as you thought you were. And this is okay because the reality is losing doesn't matter. As cliche as it sounds, your only real competition is your former self. The only person you need to be concerned with is the person you were yesterday. Because the reality is those that work harder and make more sacrifices will always do better than those who do less. Also, this doesn't mean that a little competition between others isn't good because it is. We just have to realize that just because someone is better than you, it doesn't mean that you suck or that they are taking away from your success or your livelihood. If someone is better than you or has the potential to become better than you, instead of becoming depressed and jealous, use these feelings as motivation to up your game. This is what alchemy is all about. Transmute negative thoughts and emotions into positive ones. Because at the end of the day, the truth is you are not really in, co- in competition with anyone else. And you know there are a lot of factors that determine someone's ability and none of those are within your control or should even matter to you. All you can do is strive to be better than you were yesterday. You are only competing with yourself. So with that being said, I want to leave you with two quotes to help you get into the growth mindset. The first, a Chinese proverb. Be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid only of standing still. The second from Ernest Hemingway. There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. Let me know what you think. See you on the other side.